Parent-driven development. I'm Andy, and today I'm here with my friend JC. Hello, uh, I'm JC, and I'm here with my friend K Wu. Hi, I'm K Wu, and I am here with my friend Josh. Hi, everybody. So today uh, on PDD, we're going to be talking about uh, working remotely, um, how that works with kids, how that worked before kids, and the benefits and the drawbacks that that entails. So let's start by finding out who in this delightful group of human beings it works remotely. Josh. Yeah, I work remotely um, 100% of the time with just some light travel for work. And I've uh, worked mostly out of my house and I've done so for about the past eight years over three different companies. I work remotely full time now as well. Um, I started just about a year ago and then had my baby a few months after starting that remote job. Um, and so was on leave for a few months. But you know, and then we moved cross country, but we're settled in now. And uh, as it turns out, my husband also got a remote work job. So we can talk a little bit about that as well. <laughs> we're both home and we have a, a nanny come full time for our uh, eight and a half, almost nine months old baby now. Long so big. Um, <laughs> and JC? Uh, I worked remote 100% of the time for exactly 10 years. And about a year and a half ago, I got what I call a real job. And uh, mostly because that means it has an office and it's near my house. But the uh, hours are very flexible as far as if I need to work from home for whatever reason one day or not feeling well or anything, I can just work remotely. And the nature of what we do kind of makes it easy to do that. We don't really miss a beat. I worked remotely the furthest, I think. So I was part of a startup in Singapore when uh, Joe got pregnant and we moved home uh, with three months to go till the twins appeared. And then I continued to work on that for another nine or 10 months afterwards. And then I got a remote job in the UK as well. Um, I'm currently sort of partially remote at the, my current gig, although we just got a nice new office and it's in the town that I live in. So um, I am going in a bit more now to make use of the fantastic new wheelie chair and the extra space. <laughs> they get right, you with so those chairs every time. They do. It's the fancy <laughs> chairs. That's what brings them in. So, okay, you probably don't really. It's all really mixed up for you, I suppose, the remote work and the having a having children thing, as I suppose yes. it is for me. Yes. Um, how I mean, how I, have you found it trans- transitioning into that into that world? The reason I got the remote job to start was I I, went, I mean I, I feel like there's a lot of people that immediately off the bat are like oh yeah it'd be so amazing to work remotely like it'll be really awesome I'd always love it but for me it was actually a little bit more of an experiment of. Cause I was like, uh, like I don't mind being in an office, um, as long as I don't live too far for the commute. But like I had heard from some people that you don't really know how you'll react to it until you're actually doing it. Like, and we haven't purchased property before at all. And we're thinking about buying a house in the next few years and settling in one location. And it was sort of like, okay, well, if I know that remote work, uh, is something that I'm suited for. Uh, and I feel like I enjoy it and I can continue to progress in my career and there are good opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. Then it's a pretty big lifestyle choice to commit to potentially. So that's sort of why I wanted to test it out. And it turns out I love it. I think it's awesome. I thought very carefully about how to try to set it up to make it work well for me. 
I'm sure others have thoughts on that as well. But right now, I feel like with having the baby at home and um, I'm nursing and you know, hopefully trying to get to at least one year with that, that has worked out amazingly for me to be able to be home and, you know, just like take 20 minute breaks three times a day throughout the workday to go and nurse the baby um, and not have to haul a pump, not have to go do daycare drop-offs and pickups. I feel like when we have so little free time already that any time spent on the road would feel like a waste. So I feel so lucky right now. That, that's absolutely um, the experience we had when we had the kids. My other half, Joe, she works from home as well. So we were both around. I mean, she had, she had a year's maternity leave because in Europe, we don't have medieval maternity <laughs> legislation. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So she was at home with the kids and I was in and about and around and we moved house when they were 10 weeks old because we're stupid. Um, <laughs> and we, uh, we, we carried on like I would drop in and out of work and, and I was able to continue to do that even when we did start putting them in, in nursery and when we had a nanny for a bit so that when we both went back to work. So yeah, and, and I've always been part time as well. So that since the kids have been born, that's another reason that, that we found about that. Is that similar for you, Josh? Have you always been remote whilst your kids have been around? Uh, there was a slight uh, period of time when my daughter was an infant that we both worked out of the house. But my experience is a little different. My my spouse has never worked from home. Um, he's in healthcare, um, and they generally frown on surgeries out of your living room. <laughs> 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 This is why my my mom still like wants me to be a doctor though. She's like, "Are you sure you don't want to go to medical school still? Like, we can't outsource doctors." Is her argument? I'm like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> and she says that people will always get sick, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's true." And the in the zombie apocalypse, doctors are going to be pretty important. <laughs> it's, it is true. It is in demand, but it is yeah. very hard to work remotely in healthcare. Yeah, yeah. And shift work as well, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And, it, and healthcare work is just so much different than knowledge working when it comes to like, you're just there for a set amount of time versus a set amount of work, but totally different topic. Um, So I worked uh, remotely uh, out of my house before we had a child took a little break um, and then worked uh, remotely after we had children. And um, the, the two big differences, I think, from uh, you, Andy, and you, Kei Wu, my spouse wasn't here with me. So the idea of being at working at home with my child here is horror movie levels of anxiety. <laughs> Just... No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> um, I've also had friends say to me like, oh, it must be so nice to work from home with your child. And I'm like, you neither have a child or work from home. Because um, neither of those things are delightful. Imagine if your boss was three years old and crying and throwing things at you. Yeah. It's not that much of a stretch. It is not that much of a stretch. Yeah. So, we've, had, so we've had those bosses, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the the other the other big change I noticed was working from home before and after children. That has honestly been the biggest change for me in that I now have um, we we utilized daycare very early on with our daughter, and I all of a sudden had a very hard start and stop to my day. Like I am not going to be working before you know, 8 a.m. after that daycare drop-off and come 5 o'clock, I'm out. Uh, my daughter does not care that this meeting is about to go long. I I have to pick her up or they're, I don't know what they'll do with her, put her on the street. I don't know. Um, so it, it's really compressed my day and made made me have to really buckle down from a time perspective. Yes, Absolutely. this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately too. Yeah, totally. 
for me, in case anyone wants to know, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, for me, uh, I worked for home for 10 years. We had our third son had been born a month and a half before I started working from home full time. And my wife were, uh, was home with the kids. And so we never had that dynamic of having to get a, a nanny or put him in daycare. So in, in a sense, that made it a lot easier for me to be able to just work uh, when I needed to work and be able to have the flexibility at the same time to, hey, I'm going to go with you to the doctor for the checkup or do those kinds of things. So that was these things that you normally would miss if you're working outside the home and somebody else's, you know, your spouse is taking care of the kid or something. So it, it gave me that flexibility. It also made it so my kids growing up, the other two were young enough still that for until they were getting into their teenage years, I worked from home. And so they only remembered me working from home. So that was a, a really cool dynamic that we had there too. It also made it where I became aware that if I got up at five in the morning and worked till about 8.30 or nine, I was going to get about as much done in a day as I would otherwise before they went to school, <laughs> yep. um, even with my wife at home, you know? And so even now when, now that I work in a regular office and stuff and my, all my kids go to school full time and I, I don't have to worry about that very much. I still get up really early and get a lot done before any emails or any, anything comes in and other distractions. And also, um, I stopped working in the evenings. Now I'm getting older. It's like, eh, it's not worth it. I just get up early and you get a lot done that way. So that shifted my, my schedule some too, which I still have been doing just because I found it to be much more efficient. And speaking of hard stops, Josh, I, when my daughter was in preschool, my wife went back to nursing school, but that was like once a, once a week she was gone all day. The other time she was gone for a couple hours here or there. So it was not a big deal. And it was usually, it was usually when my daughter was in preschool. Well, one of those times I forgot to get my daughter Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was on a call for work and the home phone kept ringing and I could hear it ringing. And I'm like, who keeps calling? <laughs> like my gosh someone is relentless and i finally got up to go check who it was in the caller id and i was like oh my goodness it was a pretty cool thing and it would i was about 35 45 minutes late already to pick oh my god up. that's like a thousand dollars in late fees yeah well no, they were super nice so there was no late fees but i think they were more concerned that are we okay <laughs> was i okay or was with Tara okay they were calling because she was in, in school I think she was in class or she was in a clinical or something. So she could not take the calls and I wasn't answering. So nobody was answering. So there were, I think they're probably going to send the police over to check on me and make sure I was still there and alive. But anyway, yeah, that was, that was a big fail. Um, yeah. We, we, we got for the fails. Fails. Yes. Yeah. Fail early and fail hard. <laughs> <laughs> when we're working from, I mean, Jesse, you were just talking about your spouse was full time looking after the kids. How did you deal with interruptions? There's a fantastic video of, uh, of an invited expert on uh, the BBC News, which people yes. have seen. Yes, with the little where, girl. Where his, two kids, his two kids oh. rush in, yes, followed, amazing. followed immediately by the mother scrabbling on all fours and dragging them out. It's, it's just an amazing video. It you, is. Can just see the, you can just see the guy dying inside very slowly. It's very pleasing. It's a, <laughs> but man, he, he kept his composure and he did. He did very well. them, and it was amazing. That Everyone saw that, and it was just an amazing an amazing video. We will definitely put a link to that in the show notes. It's incredible if you haven't seen it. So that's that definitely has happened where your kids just barge in, interrupt. Uh, for the longest time when they were smaller, I had a we had a spare bedroom at the time, so that was my office, and I could shut the door. Uh, once they got a little bit older and understood that I am working, uh, they're in school most of the day, and that's when I would be 
online and working, et cetera, then it wasn't a big deal. And even if they were home uh, later in the evening, in the afternoons, later afternoons when they get home from school, sometimes I'm still working. I might be on a call. Uh, the people that I'm working with at that point, you kind of know who you're working with and your friends and I'm like, hey, my kids are home now, so I might have to leave here in a minute. Or, you know, they come say hi. Or if you're using a video call, they they wave at the people and and then they go about and get a snack and go away, you know, or go outside and play or something or get on an iPad or or whatever. So it's it's there. I think it be, it's it's become more normal for that to happen. Maybe not while you're on international TV. Um, but <laughs> as far as day to day, I think most people um, and when I've spoken to other people, I mean, everybody's got some kind of interruption that's going to happen or the doorbell will ring because some delivery is, you know, FedEx is outside or somebody's delivering a package. So I don't, I don't think that's a big deal anymore. It might've been 10 years ago, but at this point I think it's just kind of normal. You do want to have have your uh, blocks of time, right? That you can just concentrate on work. So, you know, you're getting your work done and your hours in, but um, there's going to be interruptions here and there. And it's just a matter of teaching your children the, when it's okay and when it's not, or if, if the door's shut, don't knock on it. I'll open it when it's okay. That's kind of what the rule was before. And then once I moved my office into a more open part of the house, uh, it was more mostly because my kids were not at home anymore. They were in school during the day. Yeah. And how are you finding it, Kayroom? I mentioned that my husband started to work from home a few weeks ago as well, because I feel like currently the adjustment has been more figuring out interruptions from him versus the baby. <laughs> that, is very that is so true. <laughs> yeah. I may or may not have gotten a little abrupt with him the other day when he was like, oh, I just have a question. And then, you know, 15 later, minutes later, I was like, okay, new rule. If you think this is going to take longer than five minutes and it's not urgent, like we'll do it at the end of the day. Like basically like stop talking to me (laughs) (laughs) or just email me instead, even though, you know, you're like 20 feet away. Um, Please just email me. (laughs) You do a family slack. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you sort of have a, have an ongoing concern sometimes about, because, you know, we're, we're all in an apartment right now. We're not yet in a house and we're, we've been, I've been lucky so far on um, these last couple weeks, but at some point, you know, they're going to be a baby or toddler throwing a tantrum and like the noise interruption, even though, you know, I have a separate room entirely for my office and I have a nice headset and all that. The sound of a child crying is pretty piercing. And even if there's someone in charge of trying to handle that, I hope, you know, eventually we'll have a bit more space so that you just have geographic distance to help with that. But right now, like we're in a fairly good spot. Like there's, he fusses a little bit sometimes when he's unhappy about being asked to nap, which I'm always just like, dude, do you know how excited I would be if the people around me were that invested in, in have helping me nap every day? Like that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's so good, kiddo. But anyway. And our friend Allison has joined us. Speaking of interruptions. Yeah, speaking, yeah. Of, yeah, speaking of interruptions. Jeez. Allison, <laughs> we're recording a podcast. Stop it. <laughs> Hello. My child just stopped screaming. Oh, <laughs> literally just started crying again. Well, we'll see how long this lasts. We just talked about how that's pretty normal these days. So it's no, big, no biggie. <laughs> Do, do we do we think that um, the fact that we most of us in this panel are you know remote or have worked long term remotely 
Do we think that the companies that have that enlightened approach to work also have a more enlightened approach to, you know, the rest of your life intruding on your work life? Do you, has that been your experience? Oh, it's absolutely been my experience. I think there's just a kind of an understanding, especially among a company where there are other parents working remotely, that your work life will kind of mold around the contours of your family life as need be. So for example, the company I work for, we constantly have people that are posting in our team room like, oh, I'm running out to get the kids or we're doing a dentist appointment right now or oops, school called, someone's Mm -hmm. got a fever, I got to go pick them up. And it's just... (laughs) Not, it's just not an issue because we know, <laughs> frankly, in the waiting room, we're all going to be on Slack and um, we're going to we're going to kind of like backfill that time as we have to. It, it It's very, very nice. But I don't think all remote places are like that. I think a lot of it has to do with how many other parents you have working remote as well. I definitely agree with that. I was going to say when you said, oh, yeah, I think, you know, most companies I was like, because uh, I, I I disagree. I think that it really depends on how many parents you have working remotely. I mean, I have always worked remotely as a developer. And with my first child, when I had to take pumping breaks, and maybe this is like, um, I don't know if you guys have talked about sort of pumping and newborns and whatever mm-hmm. yet at work, but like, you know, having to take pumping breaks and having to say, you know, hey, I like I have to stop pairing. I have to stop whatever because I have to pump for the next 30 minutes or whatever. If there aren't a lot of parents or there haven't been really many or any women on the team, it's sometimes really hard for teams to understand that and to understand like why that has to happen at a specific time or, you know, why you can't just like work through that time or you know continue pairing etc so i think i think it really it's depends. They hurt. <laughs> but then i've been at other places where there have been a lot of parents and a lot of kids and then yes it's totally like even not even like oh emergency i have to pick up my kid but even like hey i'm gonna be a guest in my you know kids class today or i'm chaperoning a field trip or whatever and that's totally accepted but i think that when you work remote like if there aren't other parents then sort of like oh why aren't you around or there's some like suspicion that you are sort of doing more child rearing as opposed to like focused working do you feel the tyranny of the green dot on slack is that the uh (laughs) the presence is is you know you might be remote but your presence is still expected yeah yeah this was a topic that i i was curious to get some folks' opinions on in that one of the things I have noticed about sort of remote work pre-kid and post-kid is that, you know, like one of the great benefits of remote work is like you have a lot of flexibility for getting things done. But one with now with the time hard stop at the end of the day, like I definitely noticed that I have to readjust my own expectations because I, I didn't realize how much I relied on being able to just like, oh, I'll just like, go until 5.30, 5.45, 6 o'clock, or I'll do a little bit more in the evening if I need to be feel prepared for the next day. Like I, That's not really an option anymore. Um, and that's been a little bit of an adjustment mentally for me. But post-kid as well, in some ways, I almost feel like I just get a little bit more anxious or, or just potentially worried about the impression I be might be making for using flexibility for the remote work sometimes, even though I don't know that like my actual usage of changing my hours around a little bit or stepping out for a break here and there, like, I don't know if it's actually all that different, but I'm almost just like trying to be really cautious about any impact that may be perceived because with remote work, communication is so important. Um, and it's 
it's hard to tell how other people might be thinking of you um, even more than when you're in an office, I think. So I don't know if folks have thoughts on that. I think one of the things you just mentioned is very important when there's a, having remote workers versus being a distributed team. I think it's been mm-hmm. touched on by other blog posts and stuff. And if you are the sole remote employee, yeah, it's very difficult and the culture is very different and you are, you maybe are seen a little different, right? But if you don't want to be too are, special, do you? Well, yeah. And you're, and, and you're seen as like, well, they, they have special privileges, right? Yeah. Um, and whereas if you're all uh, a, a real distributed team, uh, then I think it makes it a little easier to feel less guilty or feel uh, less, you know, self-conscious about the flexibility that you do have or you need to have in order to do your work. Um, at the, you know, at the same time, being remote means that unless you have hard stops in life, like Josh mentioned earlier, where I have to get the kid now and then it's done for the day, um, I think you might run the risk of working all the time as well. Like, you know, it never ends. You never turn it off. You never take time to take care of yourself and because you're feeling like, oh, maybe I didn't do enough or maybe I still should get this done today. So I look more productive or whatever. You know, you might run into that trap. Joe and I have both had a little bit of that. She works in big corporate, but it works from home. And, and I, I tended to work with smaller companies on contract. But we've both definitely asked parenting style is quite ducking and diving. Like our childcare arrangements can sometimes fall apart. And so it'll be like, uh, can you pick them up at three and then do deal with them for two hours? And then I'm off a call so then I can come and take them. And then we'll both do an hour in the evening. So it, I, I think not necessarily in, 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 a, in quite in the same way. I know Joe sometimes feels that with her work because she's um, she speaks to the, to the US and also to Asia as well. So in the UK, we're in the middle. So she, her days are long anyway. Often she'll end up with a call in the evening. So I'm not sure it's to do with her being remote as it is as much to do with her, her job. But yeah, I found myself occasionally doing a couple of hours in the evening or um, that kind of thing after the kids are asleep, if they stay asleep. <laughs> the time zone thing is like really, really tough. I think mm-hmm. we like talking about distributed versus remote and our particular uh, team is very time zone distributed. So we've, I think having people on our team that have children has forced everybody on the team to be more declarative about what hours are they expecting to be working, making sure everybody in the team understands, okay, so-and-so is in Austria and here are their working hours. And I, I shouldn't really have an expectation to contact them outside of that. So I should send an email message or a comment on a Google doc or a GitHub PR request. It's been actually helpful having other, working with other people with children in different time zones, because it's made everybody on the team be more purposeful about what hours they're present. I think core hours is what you're talking about. Yes. And they're definitely a must have when you have that kind of uh, time zone range in there. So that's a, that's a really good point. And I think some teams I've worked with teams, you know, across four time zones. And so it's not a, as big of a deal. Although, you know, if I get started at five thirty or six in the morning for me being in, in the middle, by the time somebody in the in two hours earlier than me gets on, it's already 11 o'clock my time and I'm almost done, you know, with the core of my day. So there's, there's that balance too, but yeah, core hours are definitely a, a must. And I don't know, does anyone have a shared calendar with their, with their teams members, uh, availability? I've never used that, but I wonder if the, those that have like across countries, 
if they're if you're using something like that to be able to manage that. We tend to list our, our working hours in um, Slack, and then yes. we make have, heavy use of Slack snoozing, so that if I'm trying to hit up one of my um, coworkers, I, I get a face full of like, this person is snoozed. Are you really, really sure you want to try to contact them? You can also, um, on Google calendars, you can set like your work hours so that if somebody schedules a meeting that uh, is either before or after your work hours, it'll yeah. give that person a notification. It'll be like, mm-hmm. hey, this is outside that person's work hours. You know, are you sure you want to set this meeting? Yeah, that's absolutely a huge help. And as, as a company has abandoned Slack for Basecamp, Basecamp's got really Whoa. good. I know. We, we're kicking it old school with the new Basecamp. So hipster. I know. Yeah, we, we found that that's got really great snooze stuff. They're very much positioning themselves in the opposition to some of Slack's um, downsides, I suppose. This discussion reminds me a lot of um, one of the pieces of advice I got around remote work that I'm really obsessed with from my friend Kate. She wrote a blog post that talked about how the thing to call out of remote work versus office work is that going into an office establishes a lot of defaults for how you work in the team, just from observation. And then when you are working remotely and you have a more distributed team as well, it does really help to be a lot more explicit about designing what your work and work habits are going to end up looking like. And it sounds cool. It sounds like there are like a variety of solutions that people have come to to solve these various things. But I I always like thinking about it that way of like, okay, yeah, if I were in an office, I would just observe what else is going on and kind of pattern accordingly. But now that I'm at home and there are, you know, there's quite a spread of other people as well, we have to talk about how we work together a little bit more clearly. So on that topic, there's an interesting corollary that you've talked about in terms of uh, being in the office and establishing norms. And there's the other benefit in being in the office, if you like your coworkers, which is just being in the office and seeing other primate faces. Like, um, like how have people dealt with, you know, somewhat the inevitable isolate, you know, becoming a new parent particularly can be quite isolating. How, how is being remote and dealing with the isolation of parenting as well? How was that? How dealt with that? I became very friendly with my local target I I knew I had a problem when I started like checking out at the grocery store and like just being like starting these conversations and they're like okay well next customer like wait wait no no what do you do later let's hang out I'm good I'll be back for diapers where did you get that awesome badge (laughs) don't make me go home please yeah that's fun no, I, I have a similar thing with my local coffee shop. Like I am often to be found in the corner when I'm not in the office. You gotta, you gotta find those social interactions wherever you can, right? Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people point to like you know daycares or um, parenting groups, and for me, it was really tough because, especially at daycare, and I know not everybody uses daycare, but daycare, it's like it's like Grand Central Station. When people are dropping off and picking up, and like n- nobody wants to hang out with you at daycare. Like you know, the, the caregivers want to go home. They are yes. done with your children. The other parents do not want to hang out with you. Like it's that's yeah. just not a good spot. For for me, um, I I consider myself pretty social. So we, you know, because my other kids were a little bit older, we had activities with them at school, et cetera. So there was that group of people. And then when my daughter was going to kindergarten half a day, there was a lot of play dates after. And my wife was in school and doing clinicals, et cetera, getting her nursing degree at the time. And so I was the Mr. Mom in the afternoons for a few hours before she got home. 
So that I, so every afternoon I'd, I'd be off for a few hours from work and just spend it with my daughter and go to a lot of play dates. So I got to know all the moms. So I still probably know all the moms better than my wife does for my daughter's class because I was going to all the play dates, taking my daughter there to hang out with all her kindergarten friends and hanging out with the other moms. Uh, a lot of times I just take my laptop and maybe do some work while they're playing in the park or whatever. But that was another interesting social thing that happened to me basically was I was, I was the, the Mr. Mom in that sense where I was the, getting to go and hang out and watch my kid play and hang out with the other parents. And that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. So it made it. Absolutely. That's, that's so an experience that we've had. Um, we've had in the UK. Well, we, we, so we've had in with um, my other half and I, cause we're both at home. We take it in turns. So like we both reach down to like the parents of our children's friends who are obviously the people you would definitely select to be friends with. Give them yep. a choice. Absolutely. <laughs> so I I feel like I'm just talking a lot about like pumping on this call because it's what well, it's what I'm doing right now. You know, it's just like so <laughs> there in my life right now. We have a you know at least a handful of folks locally that that work remotely, and so you know we get together at a coffee shop or whatever at least a couple of times a week. And same thing, um, you know, there are actually a bunch of like a bunch of parents who you know who work remote, and so we'll get together. Like, I feel like I'm generally pretty good about finding people to to co work with, but when I am pumping, it is incredibly isolating because it's so difficult to like, I can't just go to a coffee shop and like, you know, hang out for the day or for a couple of hours because I have to pump every, you know, about two and a half hours or so. And it's like, by the time that you like get to the coffee shop, get settled, hang out, like you can be there for maybe like an hour, hour and a half before you have to like pack up, go home in order to pump. Cause like coffee shops don't have pumping facilities and a vast majority of co-working spaces also don't have, have pumping facilities. Like I know that some of the WeWorks do, but a lot of the WeWorks don't let you do drop-ins. So it's always this balancing act where like I find the year that I am pumping, like it was really difficult with my son and I, it's like one of the things that I'm looking forward to the least as I go back to work with my daughter is having this whole year where like I will be so much more isolated than usual because I have to be in a place where I can pump every two and a half to three hours. Uh, And it really, it really sucks. And I've talked to, I mean, I've probably talked to like 30 or 40 different co-working spaces in like the metro DC area at this point. And it's just, you know, the facilities are just non-existent. It's, I mean, even if you were willing to pump sort of like more in, in public, like, you know, I, like a base, I'm, I'm saying, I totally hear you, Allison, because uh, when I had to exclusive pump for the first three and a half months, um, we were having all these challenges with breastfeeding. I... I think I like slightly yelled at the our pediatrician one time because he was so pediatricians are in charge of helping monitor for postpartum depression, which was something I didn't know before having a kid. But anyway, he kept being like, Oh yeah, you know, you just like it's really important to like get out of the house and you know, just like make sure to like have some social time. And I was basically like, No, I need to pump and it's so not worth it to me to like have to go out, schlep all my stuff, either like find somewhere in public that I would be comfortable pumping and then like figuring out how to store the milk. Like, do I need to get ice? Do I have to bring coolers? Blah, 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 et cetera. Bring all that stuff back. Um, And, you know, at times I was almost like, well, like, can we co-work at the airport? There's Wi-Fi there and there's a pumping, there's a lactation room at the airport um, that would work. 
but that's definitely super annoying. For, for me, I've been finding that like it turns out that so far I'm okay being at home and not going out too much for fairly long stretches of time as a matter of priorities, I think. like It would be nice to be able to go out a lot more, um, but now that we're in suburban New Jersey, it takes a lot longer to get anywhere anyway. And in some cases, if I had like extra slack time, I would rather take a nap then talk to people. So <laughs> that was something I learned about myself uh, after having the baby. I had talked to a friend before where I was like, I don't quite understand when people are like, oh, because I'm a parent, I don't have time to shower. Like, because I was being very literal about it of, of like, well, just, you know, you can, if you shower in five or 10 minutes, like you, you probably can get coverage for that. Right. And for me afterwards, what I realized was like, when I would say that what I really meant was Technically, I would have time to shower, but the five or 10 minutes I would take to shower, I would rather use on something else that I need to do instead. And it turns out that personal hygiene is not as important to me as a variety of <laughs> other items instead. So I'm just deep down yeah. a gross person when I'm this sleep deprived, you know? Like You start making sorry. all kinds of compromises, right? And, and having to prioritize things that you never thought you would have to before. <laughs> and uh, sleep deprivation definitely does not help with that. That's absolutely true. All right. So we're going to wrap up talking about uh, our, our remote experiences for now. I'm sure it's a topic we'll go back to at some point. Um, we have had a listener question. I was going to say read a question, but we have had a listener question. Can I have a chorus of oohs, please? Ooh. Yay. Wait, let me unmute myself. Ooh. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Such professionals. So we, we have a question. No, this is great. We were so excited to get this uh, listener question in. So thank you very much for submitting it. And um, you know others, like, please send us some more too. Yes. So um, the question is, uh, when is the right time to introduce screens to your kids? Um, and how did you do it? Uh, at the moment, the, uh, the questioner has defaulted to sort of just no screens, but knows that that's not a sustainable position in the modern world. Anyone got any views on this? I'd say the afternoon when they get fussy. <laughs> that's, that's that's the kind of time I, I would recommend. Mine was the morning when I want to sleep a little longer. <laughs> I don't think that's what the listeners quite asking us, but that was my first thought. I was like, when, at a restaurant when they're crabby. <laughs> so my son is three. We introduced games before we introduced shows. Um, and it was mostly for on flights because I've I've flown a fair amount with him. So it was mostly on flights. And, you know, they, they I read a lot about, you know, a lot of the sort of point and move objects from one place to another games or things like that are actually really good for skill development. So that's where we started. And then when we introduced TV shows, we just tried to make sure that it was like educational. I mean, Daniel Tiger, if you have a toddler, is really, really, really fantastic. <laughs> like really great lessons and really great, you know, and things that like really like sink in with, with kids to sort of like an incredible extent. But a lot of the, I find a lot of like the, you know, PBS kids stuff is pretty good. So we like try to keep it to educational. And then I try to like talk to my son about what he, watched and what he learned and stuff so i feel like i justify a little bit of our like tv screen time by doing that yeah we haven't gotten there yet but that actually is is in line with kind of my ideas around how we'll get to this eventually so again like when we had the actual episode on 
screen time, I feel like everything I say, I'm probably just going to like, you know, feel free to remind me, you know, a couple <laughs> years from now and then mock me <laughs> relentlessly for how the ideals get crashed down. But uh, I was thinking that because of screen time, you know, like I know I'm, I get very easily addicted to what's going on. Right. So it's just as a medium, something want to be careful and deliberate about is my thought on that kind of what screen time are you introducing for what particular purpose? And I want to sleep in some more so I don't, you know, murder the rest of my family. That That is a legitimate purpose, right? And also like every kid is different and families are different, right? So that you can, if you start with a smaller amount and with different kinds of media that you're introducing, then maybe you could sort of try a little bit and see the effect of that. Like I'm constantly running a variety of different experiments on our home life and on our kid in a way. But, you know, kind of if you introduce a little bit of screen time and then you see certain behavioral changes, positive or negative, you can always make changes from there. I guess yeah, that's, that's, that's something I was thinking about too, is that I feel like a lot of parenting decisions in the moment, it feels so high stakes and that, you know, you, oh, you like, you, you really want to start on like the correct path, but you're allowed to change your mind and like go back on what you did before. You don't sort of, no one's really going to enforce consistency long-term, right? <laughs> Hopefully. Oh, just wait till your three-year-old calls you on it. Yeah. I think, yeah. That's, that, yeah. I think that's the main, that's the main entity that will be like pointing out inconsistency yeah. is the child and for whatever reason, they, they will totally remember detail by detail what you said was going to happen with regards to screen time. But you still totally can change it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can you like, okay, well, that is what I said. And now there are new rules. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. That's a good point. My kids, uh, we have a nine-year age spread for our four kids. So about two and a half, three and a half, and then two and a half years. When the first two, even the first three really were little, there was not a lot of portable devices. And so that was not a big deal like it is now with phones and iPads and all that. My daughter has grown up with the portable devices in the home and she is uh, very good at uh, making videos and things like that. She doesn't necessarily do other things. She watches a lot of slime videos. She's almost nine though. So I think as you have more kids, it becomes harder to control mm. when your younger ones are able to and to be exposed to certain media as well because the older kids are to the point where they can be playing a certain video game or whatever. So in a sense, that's going to change for each kid. And, and Kay, we mentioned each kid is different. That's very true. Some are more interested than others in, in the screen stuff or what they want to do on the screens. So I think if you keep it to something educational and when they're little or, you know, that's constructive in a way, then I think that's, that's good. I don't think you can quarantine them from screens entirely. That's just impossible. So it's okay to make it a positive thing, in my opinion. And kids are resilient. These are high stakes decisions we're making, but the kids are going to be okay. Um, that's what I found. And as you have more children, I think you realize that some things are definitely stress over these things, but those other things we used to stress about with the older one, not a big of a deal, right? And as, as you realize, as you, as you, you go through these, uh, you go through life and these years of raising kids, you realize these, some things are more important than others and mostly make sure they're not bleeding somewhere and, you know, <laughs> that they're fed and, I think having structure around all of this is probably one of the most important things, though. Have a set bedtime, uh, set dinner time if you can. 
and you know feed them good food. And, and if you can do some of these things and just the structure around it will help them a lot. Having good boundaries and all that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point, JC, because you've got older children. I have an older child as well. Um, and like screen time when our daughter was young was meant television. There weren't tablet computers. But I can't, I can't exactly remember when we first introduced her to screens. I remember talking about it a lot with my spouse, <laughs> like, like pouring over white papers from pediatricians and stuff. But I can't remember when we actually did it. And she's fine. So I think this is the most unsatisfying answer. But I think for the listener, like whatever you feel like is appropriate is good. I don't, yeah. I've basically got two. Well, I've got two ways of thinking about it. Like, so my kids don't. They, I mean, they're five. So it's like it's not the default thing to do, and mm. to do it collectively as much as possible. Mm. So like, it's like we'd rather. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have. Yeah. I'd rather if they're going to watch something. I'd rather they watch it on the TV than have either their own devices or or a device or a tablet or a phone or something and like just make sure it's not the thing i always lean on (laughs) yeah i I was thinking that too in in terms of like guarding against the isolating parts of uh, media consumption so i mean technically we do do some screen time already because we have like family jeopardy watching time now is like (laughs) with our nine-month-old so that someday he can earn his own college education tuition um (laughs) gotta train gotta start training early yeah yeah i mean obviously obviously it's totally gonna work that way but i i feel like kind of doing media as a bonding thing together is like a good purpose to be looking towards and i also like the idea that i think with JC, was it you who mentioned kind of the idea of technology and using the creative aspects of it, the the yeah. being a, uh-huh. a producer with technology as a tool rather right. than just consuming media? Because um, right. I feel like a lot of the discussion around that is focused on the passive consumption part of things versus Absolutely. like using artistic tools on a computer or like the video creation and like coding someday and all of those sorts of things like especially those sorts of things where you're doing it together and learning together that way like i think that that would be really fun actually yeah and you spend um less time cleaning up after too so that's really nice um but yes being a creating stuff that still has them use their imagination and and they have to figure things out and there's a lot of games that are creative games and chris from another earlier podcast mentioned that we've we've had our kids play minecraft because they get to build things and create and figure out uh, circuitry and wiring and that kind of stuff you can do all kinds of stuff right so there's a there's a lot of positive you can do with it but for us we found that our kids do better and they thrive more when they they have that structure they'll you know kick and scream because they have to go to bed or go take a shower it's time for showers it's time for you know reading it before bed or you know getting ready all that stuff so it's definitely healthier for them to do it that way and to have that so i like the balance that that andy mentioned too uh, make sure there's a plenty of outdoor time and playing out and exploring and uh, you know and not just the the go-to fix all yeah andy i think something that you said was really great like making sure it's not the thing that you lean on all the time because I will say that like as we got more comfortable and more relaxed with 
with screen time. And like I said, we especially do it like sort of early in the in the morning. Basically, we found that our son gets like more and more screen time, right? And so it is really hard because once you introduce it, then you sort of get more comfortable with it and then you get more lenient with it. And then you're sort of like, you're like, oh, it's okay. If, you know, so we started like that, like three mornings a week, he could watch for 30 minutes. And then as I got more pregnant, it got to be a little longer. And now that we have a, you know, like a 10 week old, like, I mean, she's also like not a good night sleeper. So it's like, if she's been up every two hours overnight and like, she's finally sleeping from like six to eight and Devin wakes up at six, then like, guess what? He gets to watch two hours of morning TV. Um, survival then, is the most important thing, Alison. Right. You're in survival mode. <laughs> and that's, sleep you know, it's like, you know, but I will say that like, it is sometimes hard to make sure that it's not the thing that you're, that you're leaning on. And so we still will try really hard to do, to make sure that what he's watching is still like educational and good, but then also to make sure that like at least a couple days a week we're doing like, you know, no TV mornings or our son is responsible when we say like, it's time to, you know, it's time to turn off the iPad and start getting ready for preschool or whatever. Like he needs to turn it off. And if he has a meltdown about it, then like the next morning is a no TV morning because we say, you know, like trying to do it in moderation and you have to be responsible with your watching. And if you're going to have a meltdown, when we ask you to turn it off after you've watched a couple of shows, then like you don't get it the next morning. So sometimes like for me, right now, it's really painful to say that because I don't want to take it away for my selfish reasons. <laughs> but, but I think that that's a good point in terms of like how much or little you end up leaning on it and making sure that as a parent, you're sort of like keeping yourself in check because it does end up being, I think, a little bit of like a sliding scale. Absolutely. All right. Genius and fail moments time. Who has a genius or fail moment? I have uh, the one that I mentioned earlier with my daughter when she was in preschool. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, that fail. But I do have a genius with my daughter too. And I'm, it's not so much me, but it's more her. She started playing softball this year and, and had been having a hard time hitting the ball. And I was taking some pictures because I like to take pictures and noticed that she was closing her eyes when she swung. So I showed it to her and she realized I can fix this and went back up to bat and nailed it over second base. Uh, so that was that was pretty fun and pretty exciting to see a little eight year old not get discouraged because she was having a hard time hitting the ball and then just go back up there and do it again and just be resilient and and succeed finally and ha- just have a, a lot of fun. So that was fun to see as a parent. And when the ball goes over second base, that's a touchdown, right? Yes, it's a, it's a one point goal. Yes. Thank you. And it's I think it's it's a deuce maybe. I'm not sure. Kids <laughs> cricket has just not picked up in the states like we've done. <laughs> Uh, Josh, I think you go on too. So uh, my daughter has uh, pet guinea pigs, two of them, because as it turns out, guinea pigs are quite social and do better together like humans. So she has two uh, pet guinea pigs that we adopted uh, maybe like back in October. Uh, She has named them Anna and Elsa, which are the (laughs) coolest two names ever. And she had a friend uh, stay over for a sleepover. And her friends are always very, very interested in the guinea pigs. They're adorable. They're so fun to hold. They're soft. They're really, really sweet. Her friend was holding the guinea pig and put it back into the crate. And they kind of get very excited when they're going back into their crate and like kind of jumped out of her um, hand, uh, hands and fell a little farther than probably should have. And she started dragging her back leg, which 
terrified both of us. So we took Anna down to a veterinarian that specializes in exotic pets. That's the medical, (laughs) that's the veterinary term for anything that's not a dog or a cat is exotic pet and uh, got her checked out. And here's where I I think this is a genius moment myself, precipitated by a fail. The doctor is taking a look at Anna and said, well, you know, this could have been a pinched nerve or something. But I think the bigger problem here is that um, Anna is is not a girl. Anna's a boy, actually. Um, If you look right here, you can see her testicles. You can feel them because they're internal. Like, whoa, this completely rocked our world. Anna and Elsa are boys. (laughs) <laughs> the genius part, in my opinion, is this led to a really good discussion with my daughter about gender <gasps> and what it means. She was like, does that mean we have to rename the guinea pigs? Has their life been a lie? She was very broken up about this. <laughs> have I been offending them by referring to them as girls? Should we call them boys? It was really mind-blowing. So we decided that Anna and Elsa are always Anna and Elsa in our heart, and we're still going to refer to them as Anna and Elsa, and it just does not matter what parts they have underneath their adorable guinea pig skin. Yeah, let That's it go. Amazing. I mean, wow. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I see uh, what you did there. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I had Hans and Kristoff, or maybe Olaf, and um, oh, what's the snowman? Uh, no, Olaf. Olaf's a snowman. I don't know. I was, I was already queuing up some boy names, but we decided... She decided, she drove the conversation and she decided that they've always been Anna and Elsa to her. And as she pointed out, she's like, Daddy, I don't think they really care. Like, that's that's probably true. Sure. <laughs> Taewoo, I think you've gone too. Yeah. When I know we're going to record an episode, I like try to start thinking a few days beforehand. So like, wait, am, am I doing anything right? Because <laughs> other times I feel like I've, I've always been stuck trying to think of something. But the one I have to share this week is actually more of a marriage win in a way. <laughs> Just that these last few days, we finally started to catch up on this season of The Americans, which is like one of our favorite shows and like a thing that we used to do together. Like we, we're not allowed to watch it on our own. Uh, We have to watch it together, but it's been airing for like at least a month now or so. And it was hard to find a time when we were both like, you know, we'd rather watch this TV episode than, you know, a myriad of other things or whatever. But these last few days, the decision rule is uh, if our son uh, falls asleep at or around nine o'clock, then we will take that time and watch an episode of TV together. And after a couple nights of this, uh, I turned to my husband and was just like, oh, wow, like, it's really nice to do something together and then have a topic of conversation that is unrelated to the household in any way, shape or form. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I feel like we have been like much friendlier and more patient with each other as a result. And I don't know. I mean, I know uh, other people would often suggest, like we, we always have family offering to babysit so that we can go do a date night or something. But again, because of the nursing and like our location currently, I'm always just like, that's really nice, but ugh, like a date night, like ugh, leaving, ugh, doing stuff. But like this, this hour long TV show, that's like really high quality that I know will not be a waste of our time, which is the other thing. Like people are like, Oh, you should go see a movie. And then I like, 
Like anything that's lower than, I don't know, a 95% Rotten Tomato rating would feel like it's not worth it. <laughs> so it's nice that that's worth it. That is a good spots. standard to have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I have one that I'm not sure um, whether it's a genius or fail, but uh, Sunday afternoon was uh, quite fractious in my house. Um, the kids had got to bed late the night before. So come Sunday afternoon, my other half went off to see some music somewhere for the whole afternoon. And so I, things got grumpy. Uh, things got, there was shouting on both, on the sides of all humans involved until at 5.30, my daughter sat down and wrote out on a paper, I love you, daddy, even when you're grumpy and, uh, and showed it to me very proudly, at which Aww. point I, I cracked up. So, <laughs> so that's good. So I sort of feel like my whole life is just this like constant second by second, like genius and fail moment. But I guess like some, some general wins is that like, you know, my daughter is 10 weeks and she's super close to rolling and she's doing well. And um, my son's preschool teacher popped her head out the other day and just said, just so you know, he's doing really, really incredibly. That was nice. So those are my two little wins. And <laughs> stay tuned for all the fails next week because I am solo <laughs> with both kids from uh, Monday morning until Friday morning. Um, my husband is going out of town for a work trip for the week, so I'm scared. Maybe Allison, maybe you should just do the next episode all by yourself as well. Like you just make the whole thing a theme. Just do a whole monologue, like venting. You just take the madness. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm mostly trying to figure out like the logistics around bedtime because both the kids like go to sleep at the same time and they're, they both like need things after we like close their door. So I don't know. Eventually they'll both sleep, I think. So that's the spirit. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got any questions you'd like us to chat about on air, email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at parentdrivendevelopment. And if you like what you hear, feel free to support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. And with that, it's uh, goodbye from me. Uh, goodbye from Josh. Goodbye. Goodbye from JC. Hasta luego. Goodbye from Allison. Goodbye. Goodbye from Kwu. Thanks, everyone. Bye now.